Get 15% off the fullest entire product line with code the fullest podcast at checkout. One of the main ingredients in our product line, saffron, has been proven over and over again in clinical double blind placebo trials to be an effective form of treatment for depression, anxiety, and ADHD. Saffron has been used by many cultures for thousands of years for these purposes, and now the research is here to finally back it up, proving that plant medicines and ancient healing practices can actually be an effective alternative to pharmaceuticals. From caffeine-free latte powders to saffron baths and capsules, there's something for any modern woman looking for ancient healing. Again, that's code the fullest podcast at checkout for 15% off. I hope you enjoy your new daily saffron ritual. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick. And today's guest is Annette Schaefer, who's the founder of Crisp Kitchen and Juice. It's in the Napa Valley area. And I've had the opportunity to visit her beautiful lifestyle cafe that saved me on my trip, even though Annette, I know that Napa is known for its amazing food. I would say that your food is the best of the best of the best that there is in Napa Valley. And I I know we'll definitely kind of get into that because I have questions for you on that. But I'm just so grateful to have met you and that you've embraced our products at the fullest that are already there now as well. But I'm just so inspired by what you've created. If I were to create a cafe, like it would definitely be exactly like what you've done. So I just felt immediately connected to you and your food philosophy. So I'm just really excited to kind of dive into all the above and hear more about how you created Crisp. I mean, I'm reading a little bit about your background. Like I know you're a mother of two children and you moved initially there to open up the Culinary Institute of America campus there as director of operations. So you clearly have an incredible business background on top of your passion for food. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about how you landed on the type of food that you curated at Crisp? Certainly. But first, I want to say thank you so much for having me on. I'm really delighted to be here. I'm super excited to be talking with you. And you're way too kind. So thank you so much about all the the nice compliments. Um, We work really hard to produce what we do um, at CRISP. So I really am glad that you appreciate it. And you can see the intention behind what we're doing. A lot of times that, that gets a little bit missed. So I really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. And the impetus behind the food that we have at Crisp, you know, you mentioned in the Napa Valley, we have so much abundance of food and concepts and, you know, culinary skill. What really was missing for me was the simple preparations, really celebrating seasonality in a way you could appreciate it, creating ease and being able to obtain the food too. So all of those things to me were like, this is kind of missing in the Valley. We have a lot of decadence, but we don't have a lot a very simple, healthful fare. And that's, that's why I started this. And that's, that's what we really aim to serve at Crisp. I totally agree. Like there's this connection to this like farm to table movement, but some of it is like you, like you said, there's this abundance of food, of course, like Northern California is known for having grown most of the country's food. Right. 
but right. this idea of really like even a lot of those restaurants still aren't necessarily organic and if they are there's not this idea of like super clean you know you like you said it's super decadent still yeah um yeah. still might be just too much on the body you just want something that's simple and i i love that you you know, use the word healthful. It's just something that's going to love you back. And sometimes I think that we miss that when we talk about even the farm to table movement. I think so too, because farm to table has seemed to me to have gotten watered down a bit. I mean, everybody is talking about farm to table. Well, yes, food has to be grown and there's a table, but what do you do with it between the time when it's grown and the farmer nurtures it and takes such good care to the time that the guest gets it on the plate? And that's hopefully where we're interceding in a, a really positive way. We're very conscious about our mindful sourcing. So not everything is organic, but we really follow the Clean 15, uh, Dirty Dozen Clean 15 philosophy. So we're very careful about our sourcing. And we really, we tend to manipulate as little as we can. So a lot of times you'll go to a restaurant that is, I mean, nothing against the Michelin star guys out there, that's great. But sometimes they manipulate the food so much you really don't know what it is you're getting until someone really explains to you for several minutes at a time, this is what's on your plate. So we want people to be able to recognize the food on their plate, be able to taste it and appreciate it for what it is. And obviously in the season it's in because the flavors are so much better and the nutritional value is so much greater. Yeah, I completely agree. And so what do you think? Like, do you think that we've overcomplicated wellness? Because that Again, like going back to your food philosophy and like what you've created at Crisp, you um, you serve a plant-heavy menu, but you also mindfully source like sea and land proteins. And I personally love that. I think, you know, I've come full circle and like that's really the way I personally eat. And there's not really like a word for it either. It's like people are like, oh, are you vegan? It's like, no, but I'm, you know, like, <laughs> do you have yeah. a word for it? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. And, no, it's that, um, that's, that's tough. The messaging of that is tough. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I'm not paleo because I love, like you mentioned, you know, you you grew up with your grandmother's like sourdough starter, right? Like right. Good, it had sourdough right. in it. So right. yeah, it's like, it's really going back to the basics. And that's how I view it. Um, that's what I love. That what that's what makes me feel the best. So that's again like when I walked into your restaurant or your cafe, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is like <laughs> exactly what I want in my life every single day without me having to do it, you know? Yeah, I love it because what you've really touched on is that we have overcomplicated it and we've made it so difficult for people. And look at all the books that are coming out about the singular diets, you know, the cabbage diet and the grapefruit diet and the whatever, all those diets. I mean, I feel so sad for the general public who really doesn't have a lot of in education about nutrition to understand what it really takes. It's so simple. It maybe it's so simple that it seems like it's not possible, but if you move a little bit, you eat well, and you uh, you know share community with people around you and your family. Those are the simple tenets, really, that make a healthy, vibrant life in my mind. And so, similarly to what we've done with wine, you know, a lot of people believe there's one perfect pairing for every dish that you sit down to, and that's such a disservice to the wine industry, I think, because. We have so much variety and I would love to see people encouraged to 
experiment and to try different wines and that kind of thing. But we put everybody in a box and not every wine in a box, and that's not fair. So similarly to food, I think people believe there's one right way to eat. And so that they're searching and searching forever to find what is that one right way that will make me feel the best. But everyone, as you know, is very bio-individual. And so what works for me won't work for you. But circling back to your comment about what we serve is that we want it to be very easily approachable, very easy to understand. And we've done the homework and the work for you. So it's easy. And we build on a foundation of the Ayurvedic, the tastes. So salty, sweet, bitter, sour, pungent, and astringent. Whether you know that or not, or care about that or not, that really doesn't matter. But what happens is that when you're eating any of our dishes, our bowls, our salads, that kind of thing, you'll feel even more satiated with the right amount of nutrients and food. So we are hoping that people at least get that feeling, and it seems like they are, whether they want to learn more or not. So we want to uncomplicate it, provide what is approachable again. And if you want to eat your beef, that's great. We have grass-fed, grass-finished. If you are a vegan, we have plenty of vegan options. So again, trying to really meet people where they are and make it easy and approachable. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Jen, who I recently met. She's the founder of Blue Jay Bikes, and I met her for a ride-along, and I was so impressed with the company. They fully won me over, and my husband and I, who were not previously sold on e-bikes at all, decided to get a set for our family. These e-bikes are not only gorgeous, with more color combinations than any other e-bike on the market, but they also have top-of-the-line tech and safety features. Blue Jay is design obsessed and strives to fit every lifestyle, offering add-on options like beautiful woven baskets, children's seats, and coffee cup holders. We have the children's seat add-on as well as a trailer ride for my four-year-old son Truth to ride on behind us. I love that it gives our family the opportunity to be outside together without the kids tiring out. I also love the fact that it's a pedal assist bike rather than having a full throttle that I saw was a problem with other e-bikes because they were too fast and dangerous. With a Blue Jay bike, it's easier than ever to choose a bike instead of a car, get fresh air, and create effortless and fun routines and moments that inspire you. Life is short. Enjoy the ride. If you've ever considered purchasing an e-bike, now's the time. We're offering our listeners 10% off their Blue Jay order with free shipping and assembly using our exclusive code NIKKI10. So I went to culinary school for plant-based food, so I... I really share that passion of your philosophy, like I was just saying, but there's a difference between someone who like understands this whole um, lifestyle and someone who can actually implement it and start the cafe, you know, run a restaurant, run a team, really have this as a business and also be inspired to take that on. So I want to hear more about how that's going for you. And, you know, obviously you have this background in business. So I'm interested in hearing about um, how it's been and, and where you see the growth in the concept as well. It takes, I think, a certain amount of insanity because why would I do this at this point? (laughs) Oh, I really, I mean, I'm the eternal optimist and I really see what doing the right thing for your body can do. I mean, it it can create such success in so many areas of your life if you really feed yourself and nourish yourself and nurture yourself well, whether it's body, mind, spirit, all of those things 
in balance really help people thrive. And so that's where it all comes from for me because I really want to share the knowledge that I have. And it's it's the business part of it is very, very difficult. It's not easy by any means. And in this environment right now, post-COVID or during, we're still in the pandemic of some sort, I guess, uh, with a team, staffing is really difficult. So all of those things are very tough. So picking a time, again, the insanity piece comes in because picking a time to do this, I didn't realize we were going to have COVID. All of a sudden we're in the middle of it. So that makes it uh, doubly difficult. But I really, every day, ha- have conversations with people that are very grateful that we're around because we're providing exactly what they need. So that's that's kind of the why behind it. Business, I was director of operations at the pre-opening, the opening of the Culinary Institute campus here in Napa and St. Helena. And I I really learned a lot with that because we, I mean, we cabled the building, we put in the phone service, we uh, brought the ovens in with a, a lift to the third floor. I mean, we did all kinds of crazy things and I learned a lot with that. So I felt like I had a bit of a background in the operational piece, at least in getting started. But again, navigating that is is not easy. I have a couple of people that I'm working with that are much stronger on the numbers piece of it, um, side of it. So they're keeping me very disciplined in that respect too. So we've been open a year. We are now going into a deep dive on what's working, what's not working. You know, what are the lanes we should be in? What should we be highlighting more? What should we be doing less of? And how should we be running the team with production. So all of that piece now comes in, which is the unglamorous side of it. But in order for this to work and for us to grow and be able to have more locations, we really have to dial that in. That's what I was going to ask you is, do you see it growing in terms of physical locations? And yes. Like, what is your hope for it? My hope for Yeah, I was going to say too, my hope for it is that we do grow because we have so many people that come from so many parts of the world. We've seen people come from all over the place and they said, we want one in our city. So that's really, that's a great compliment to what we're trying to do. And so that is the, that's the tricky thing right now is to how to figure out how to do this operationally and how fast to grow and how to do it very, very mindfully and be consistent with it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like a testing ground that you have right now. And how are you doing that with two children and a dog, a big dog, a golden retriever and your husband? And like, how do you navigate it all? Are they involved in your business? Well, the nice thing is, so my my kids, um, I've been in the work realm the whole time. So I really never stopped working. I just changed what I did, became a consultant for a while. I did wellness coaching. I'm still a wellness coach. I do have done different things to really accommodate being able to be there for my kids. And I really am super happy that I did that. Very rewarding. It's great to see them growing. So I have an 18 year old. She just turned 18. I can't believe it. And a 22 year old. Um, Both of them really are doing well, thriving. They're great people, great humans. And so I love that. So now I'm at a point where I do have a little bit more time there's, I'm not in carpool anymore, which you'll get, I mean, maybe you already are in carpool, but I'm not in carpool anymore. I'm not, you know, having to do a lot of the, the stuff with school that I really enjoyed, but I have time now to do something of my own. On the other side of the equation, my husband keeps looking at me saying, now, wait, I remember you. <laughs> we need to spend a little more time. So that balance, right? You know, you always have to go back and forth and say, okay, well, yeah, okay. I do owe him some time because now he has a little bit more time on his hands and is looking to have some adventure. So it's always, um, I think it's like a seesaw, you know, it's a bit of a balance. You have to give a little, then you give a little on the other side and that type of thing. So it's, it's really navigating that, but really being aware that's huge. I mean, I think that for people to really understand that, to be aware of those around you and how important those relationships are. A business is a business. And, you know, if I had to close the door tomorrow, I'd be very sad. But 
I don't want to lose the connection with the family that I have. So that's something really to keep in mind. And how did you, I'm curious about just like your food philosophy at home with raising children. You know, you've been in the industry for a while. You had mentioned um, consulting, like how did you approach, we have a lot of mothers here, um, a lot of young moms yeah, and mothers of teens. Like how did you approach food? Because I think it's such an important conversation that we're trying to share with the rest of the world. And then it starts right in our homes at the dinner table at breakfast. And I typically like am very intense. I view like <laughs> so many things as poison, unfortunately, because they are, but then I also, you know, don't want to cause like issues down the line. I want it to come from a place of like nourishment and like loving your body and like really treating it well rather than um, feeling like, you know, you're restrictive, right? So how right. do you have that conversation with children, with your children specifically? Well, to start kind of now, I'll go backwards. To start now, talking about food as good or bad is has never been the vocabulary that we've used. And I hear so many people that I coach talk about, well, I had some bad, I did something bad. I had some bad food or, you know, I had, whether it was ice cream or a, I don't know, a croissant or whatever, I had bad food. Nothing is bad or good. So we really always have talked about the 80-20 philosophy where 80% of the time you're doing things that you're being careful with, you're eating food that's nourishing, you know, again, seasonally, so uh, really nutritionally sound, that type of thing. And then 20% of the time, you know, if you want to go have that, whatever it is, uh, do. You'll find if you do that, though, less and less, you'll want that quote unquote treat because it makes you feel terrible. So, I mean, it might maybe initially good going in, but it makes you feel not so good. So that's kind of where I started and that's how I coach clients. And so going back to children, what I did was I always made everything very available. So we, they ate what we ate. If we had a, a dinner with salmon and vegetables and um, you know, whatever we had, I always put it on the table, but allowed them to be a part of it. So they were, they would help cook or they would help plate, or I would put things in components on the table and they would choose which pieces they wanted. So they might not eat all of it, but they'd have some of it. So it felt like we were always having a meal uh, whether it was together at the same time, we were always having the same type of food. So again, helping them understand from that perspective very, very early on, and both of them helped me in the kitchen early on. You can, you have to give them simple tasks, obviously. So maybe it's pouring oatmeal from one cup to the next while you're cooking dinner, but it's something where they see what's happening in the kitchen and it's something that's very positive and, and a nurturing activity. I love that. And so my kids are four and one, mm-hmm. and my son is just now starting to make salad every meal or like every dinner. And so he'll like go out in our garden, actually cut the lettuce right. or the kale, bring it mm-hmm. in and put all the components together. And it's such a different way of doing things than being like, okay, get out of the kitchen. I need to make this because it's too right. stressful. <laughs> right. Um, because right. sometimes you feel like you need to do that. But I completely agree. It might be a task that doesn't necessarily have to do with it, but it it's still gives them the opportunity to kind of learn, you know, making your own meal and what it's, where it's coming from and all that. Right. When they're old enough, I mean, maybe four, four obviously is old enough to make a salad, Yeah. but it's that kind of thing where if they can be involved in one aspect of what you're actually putting on the table, then it really registers. So whether it's making a salad or coming up with their own creation that might not taste the best, you're going to have to 
just grin and bear it for a little bit. <laughs> but but um, it really, I mean, I think it really pays off. My son, who's 22 now, is a fabulous cook. And he just has taken it upon himself. I think it was the early on being everything being available to him and techniques and things that I did, he just picked up. So now he can, he's not intimidated to do anything. And he goes online and says, I wanted a recipe for this. So I went and made it. And, you know, over Thanksgiving, he wasn't here with us. Oh, I made these two pies for my friends and I did this and this. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is great. So oh sort God. of, I know it's, it's amazing. So you, if you really make it available and have them participate in the, you know, in all of what you're doing, I think that's a, that's huge. And nothing is ever bad or wrong, right? You know, so you don't chide them for what they've done, but it's always, oh, I like how you did this rather than why did you cut it that way? So it's really your approach and how, how welcoming you are for, for them in the process. That's really cool. I love that. And when I came to visit, my son and I were so excited about your baked goods. And we yeah. were just, yeah. we, I mean, I think I like bought one of everything. I was like starving and we came in a camper van and I had a fridge. So it was just like, I'm obsessed. I need to get all this. This is like my nourishment for this trip. But I'm curious, like, do you share your recipes? Are they all yours? The recipes are all mine. And so obviously right now they're proprietary to the brand and trying to keep it that way. But we are putting together um, proposals for cookbooks, thinking about maybe a six seasonal series, because we talk about the six seasons here um, in the West. Obviously, we have shoulder seasons that meld into the next season and that. So we're talking about doing something like that, which I think would be fun to share with everyone. The um, What you mentioned just brought to mind an instance. I had a mom come in the other day and she said, you know, I just was wondering about those donuts. Like, you know, we had one of the apple cider donuts and one of the regular donuts. And we do baked donuts, as you know. And she said, you know, my daughter didn't like go crazy. Like, what kind of sugar do you use or what do you put, what do you use in those? And I said, well, we really try to use as little processed sugar as we can. Sometimes we use cane sugar, but we use maple and we use coconut sugar and, you know, date sugar and dates and that kind of thing. And so she was really impressed with the fact that you can have your quote unquote sweet treat. You can give it to your children, and not feel so bad about it because, um, you know, it's, it's not going to take them off the scale. <laughs> as if they had a a real sugary donut. So that's, that's one of the things we pride ourselves on is really, even when we make our treats to really think about that. And you'll find a lot of what we do is a little bit less sweet. So if you want to add even our lattes and wellness lattes, that kind of thing, if you want to add a little honey or sugar, that's up to you, but we're trying to bring it to you in a way that says, this is really good. Like even, I love your lattes. I mean, this is the, the saffron latte. The whole team loved it when we, when we tried it. And some people said, I need a little bit more sweetness. Great. Have some honey. And others said, no, no, it's perfect the way it is. So we really like to meet people with where they are and allow them to adjust on the sugar spectrum. I love that. And I, I agree with that concept like my children you know we don't have like dessert is not off the table sugar is not off the Mm -hmm. table at all it's just right the quality is so important like we have chocolate like every single day in our Mm -hmm. household but it's just you know made with really high quality ingredients raw cacao all the good things and I think that's really where to where to meet people like you said where and and offer, again, not a restrictive diet. It's just right. that we can enjoy all the things that we love, but make it in a way that's going to, you know, support our body and healing. And, and you know, if we're not healing from something, just help us optimize and not feel sick. Right. And, and we, so for, we just now have a couple of workshops that we're going to be 
putting on for kids. And we're doing, you know, cookie decorating is one, obviously, because it's holidays. But then we're also doing a hummus and crudite. So we're teaching them it's not really hard to make a snack. And by the way, you can share this on your appetizer table for the holidays. So it's kind of one of those things where not one is overshadowing the other, but we're not saying we're not going to talk about cookies or, you know, provide cookies and that kind of thing. But we're also showing you, you can also make a snack and share it with people that they're going to love. So that's one thing. And then as your kids grow, um, you know, and all the bulimia and anorexia and all those negatives out there right now for teens, it's really important. And I think it's worked well for us just to say that sugar is not off the table. Yes, you should have a treat. Why not? Nothing is bad. And so I think that helps later in life when there's so much pressure, so much social pressure on weight and body image and all that kind of thing when food comes into play that hopefully the food piece is less a part of that conversation and they understand how to nourish themselves. That, that's my hope. And that's it's proven true with my two so far. That's amazing news. I love that. I'm really looking forward to hopefully a cookbook that comes out soon because I think that's a great next step for Chris. And I selfishly want it here in my community as well. We're down in Newport Beach and yes. not too far. <laughs> but I think operations wise, I'm assuming that you guys are going to grow more within the footprint that you're already in considering you make everything in-house and you're going to have to have a commissary. I don't really know how that works, but I'm just making assumptions here. Yeah, exactly. Now, how does that work? I mean, I know how it works, but how does that work for us? Is it a commissary? Um, you know, are we, we're going to stay in this footprint then we, when we go to another area, what does that mean? We're looking into doing yeah. packaged food as well. We have some great, our granolas and our crackers um, and our little crunches on top of our bowls. We give everybody a crunch when they when they buy a bowl. Everybody says this could be a snack on its own right. So we have a lot of, uh, you know, shelf stable package goods that we could do too. So there are many little avenues that we could go to go through or go get into, I think, to expand the business without even physically having to go to another location yet. But that that is the that is the dream. And really, we don't want, want to open just a food place, right? We want to do something that is a bigger and better idea rather than just saying here we have something to feed you. So that's, you know, we talk about the pillars, I think, that I sent that to you guys as well, the renew, refresh, grow, savor, and nourish. If you incorporate those into your daily life, we've incorporated those into the cafe. I think that helps people give them a jumping off point in more areas than just food, too. So we're all about the whole lifestyle that supports your health and, and vitality. Yeah, I know you had mentioned the five pillars and, you know, you have a lot of people coming from all over the world, you mentioned people that are always constantly traveling through St. Helena. What is it that you want to leave them with? Because they might not come back, right? They might just come check you out for a visit and you might not open in their area. And that was kind of their one experience with you. So what is it that you want to leave people with? Well, there, there are two things in the future. I would love them to be able to have a piece of this wherever they are, whether it is a packaged item, right? Or a book or something like that. It'd be really nice to connect people up that way. A lot of times in wineries, you talk about that, where if you visited a winery, it's the bottle of wine is greater than that actual bottle of wine because you have the memory and the story and all of that. So that, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing, we've had people, like I said, from all over the world come in. And the nice thing to hear is pretty consistent. When they come in, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't expect so much out of this place. The food is amazing and I feel really great. And that's what I that's what I want them to take away is that, wow, we came to the Napa Valley. I found this great spot. They were very friendly. They were welcoming. 
They made me feel better than when I came in. I love the food. You know, we've had, we had one group or one couple, they came in three days in a row. I think they were visiting from Sweden. They came in three days in a row and twice one day. And I said, you guys, what, what's up with this? She said, the gal said, yeah, well, there's just nothing else in the Valley that I can find like this. And we're doing a lot of wine tasting. Yes. And we're having our dinners at night, but we really want to feel good. And this is so clean and it just, it tastes so amazing. And the people are so nice. So that's really what I want to leave people with is that feeling and that memory and then hopefully they'll take a little bit of that home with them and say, you know, I remember I ate this and that there. Maybe I should try um, at home, you know, try, try to put a bowl together or try to put some overnight oats together for the week. That's easy to do. So all those little things, I think, is, you know, something I'd like to leave people with. And it's not that hard. Really, it's not that hard. Yeah, it's really not. And so I think it's that touch point of like inspiring people that it is simple and it is attainable and you can either take mm-hmm. it home with you or at least like have it be a big part of your lifestyle while you're there, you know? Right, right. I like the attainable part. You don't really want to intimidate people. You want to say this really is approachable. It's attainable. It's, it's, there's not a real, there's no really big secrets. I mean, it's very tricky to make our gluten-free sourdough bowls. That's a little bit tricky, but once you learn the technique, it's, it's not that difficult. But it's one of those things where we all are very busy, right? We don't have a lot of time. So here, if you're nearby, obviously you can come in and grab it. But if you learn a few tips and tricks about how to put things together and how to do your meal prep for the week. I know you've talked about that before too. That's helpful. So hopefully once we come out with a little bit more collateral, a little bit more material, you'll be able to see how we approach that kind of thing. So thinking about how to expand our reach beyond just the actual physical footprint, right? So that people have something that they can take with them in their daily lives that helps, that, have, that makes it easier for them. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your philosophy with us and sharing more about CRISP and your background and also just kind of the tips and tricks you gave with kids. I think it's so important and something a lot of people in our community struggle with. And I I love the way that you put in something that I'm definitely going to take with me as well. So thank you for coming on, Annette. It was so wonderful to connect with you and I can't wait to pop into CRISP soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I hope that, like I said before, that you'll see more crisps around. So we'll get we'll get closer to Newport. We'll be there eventually, maybe. 